Oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Martin. So how was yours? Was it good? Well, the whole of Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Um, full of a baby puking up, mostly. Nice. So it was disrupted quite a lot by that, I would have to say. So Christmas Eve, she was sick. Oh, that's a shame. Sick on Christmas Day, Boxing Day. One or two days okay, and then sick again on New Year's Eve. And so... It was nice. We spent seven, eight days together as a yeah. family. She's been ill, but yeah, <laughs> what yeah. can you do? Well, we've had illness in the family as well, with a few hospital visits and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, managed to have a good time. Met lots of fa- family and uh, chilled out. Ate lots, drank lots. And you spent New Year's Eve uh, sober, you said. Yeah, what a nightmare. Well, no, it was all right. It was okay actually. But um, we went round to my parents because my brother's over from South Korea, and he, he arrived kind of the day before New Year's Eve. So we. We decided to go around there and spend the, the afternoon and evening there. Um, basically, it was my turn to drive, so right. I got lumbered with it. I tried to we- weasel my way out of it, but no, no, no go there. So uh, yeah, well, because because uh, Isabel got sick on New Year's Eve again about seven o'clock. Um, we had like a nice family meal about six o'clock or whatever. Yeah, uh, five o'clock. Um, so we'd had a glass of Prosecco already because <laughs> she got sick and because of other complications we won't go into we had to go any, into A&E when she got sick on Christmas Eve yeah there was a chance because if, if she kept puking again we'd have to go in again so Sophie yeah. was like well, I can't drink now because I might have to drive us in yeah. I was like well I feel bad drinking myself then so I'll stay up <laughs> as well so we went to bed at half ten um, and Sophie slept in Isabel's room that night as well just to keep an eye on her yeah. so I think I got woken up by fireworks at midnight, but right. other than that. Yeah. But she's okay now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's all good. She's packed up to nursery today. So. Oh, excellent. Good. Yeah. I think she's excited to go to nursery. We were quite excited to get her packed up as well. Yeah. To get a few things <laughs> down. But I think she was fed, fed up of us as, as much as anything. And yeah. happy to uh, toddle up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, today's a sad day. <coughs> sad day, really? No, why is that? Stephen Gerrard's announced he's leaving Liverpool oh, at the end of the yeah. season. I know. Yeah. It's at this point that I realise... It was similar, I guess, last season or the season before when Jamie Carragher retired. Yeah. It's uh, the kind of footballers at the same age as you. <laughs> when they start retiring, um, that's when you realise you're getting on a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had your dreams of being a professional footballer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had that a while ago. I think I've gotten over that now. But yeah, all the sort of football players I used to follow, you kind of follow them because when, when you know they're the same age as you, you kind of follow them for a while and then when they disappear off the radar, it's like, ah. Perhaps I shouldn't follow that as much anymore. Yeah, I kind of I've got a few good friends that are Liverpool fans, and I've kind of been hinting from watching them. Just on match of the day, I'm an armchair football fan. I don't go and watch yeah. Liverpool very much because it's a bit of a way and it's expensive. And I've been kind of saying that Liverpool have looked better without Gerrard in the team because he's getting it on a bit, and yeah. because of the pressing style of play that we've been trying to play. Yeah, you know, you have to have pace and close down people quickly. And as soon as one person is not fast enough to close up, close. You know, they're yeah, yeah. down, whatever, and the whole system breaks down a bit. So I've been kind of saying, you know, for a while, you know, perhaps you should consider at the end of this season retiring. Mm. As it turns out, he is. And I was, I was thinking, though, it is a bit sad because there's some people like Frank Lampard and Ryan Giggs who played on. Ryan Giggs was yeah. 41, I think, when he retired, didn't he? Yeah, Lampard's yeah. still banging the goals in for Man City. He scored yeah. yesterday, the winner. I was thinking, how can those guys, because even Lampard's a couple of years older than, than Gerard. Yeah. And unfortunately, the sad fact is that. The Liverpool team isn't good enough to support Gerard in it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, what well, ideally you'd have Gerard having a free role or something, and you know, just turning the style on every now and again. But he, you know, the other players around Gerard aren't good enough to be able to carry him. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, what so will they do though? Will they go over to America? 
I think that's what's been hinted. He's come out today in a statement and said that he doesn't want to ever play against Liverpool. Right. Um, so yeah, he can't play for Reading. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance of them again promoted, I guess. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah, sad day, but uh, I think it's the right decision by him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, <coughs> how was your? Uh, you been doing much running over Christmas? Yeah, I did a bit of running. Um, took a, probably a week off actually between. Yeah, Christmas week didn't do anything, and then I got back into it after that, and it's yeah, it's going all right. So I started run streak yesterday, the first of January. So did about one point six miles yesterday. So are you at a streak of two? Yeah, second of January, the yeah, three so. days, hundred percent record so far. Fantastic. I've um, I'm using Runkeeper to track the runs, which right. I've used previously. Yeah. And the friend I know from the SharePoint world, Tony Pounder, I mentioned him before. He did yeah. a three sixty five, three hundred sixty five days yeah. run streak. And mm. so he, I posted my first run on Facebook, literally because I guess it was the first one. I wasn't going to do it every day. Yeah. But himself, Ken, who we know. And another guy, Chan from New Zealand, who's into his running, was quite encouraging and saying, you know, looking forward to seeing your activity and updates and stuff, so keep posting it every day. Right. So <clears throat> I may go that route and keep posting it every day. I have done again today, but I guess there's the accountability factor there, isn't there? There is, yeah. Every day, if people are waiting to see it, yeah. yeah. Call yeah. it out on it. And I'm going to try to bash it out first thing every morning as well, so mm. get it over and done with. <laughs> that's a good thing, yeah. I think that's a, a, a good way to do it, getting it done in the morning, but. We're going to talk about morning routines later on. We are, certainly, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's not always that easy, yeah. So, follows up from the last podcast? I think, well, uh, work-wise, with Join Up Data, I, I'm pretty sure I said that it was just really working on the design that I had done. Um, well, the design was done by Anders' company, uh, IT, and I had a guy transfer it into WordPress for me. Which went okay, but there were some sort of glitches and not some stuff that wasn't perfect. And uh, well, not that it's perfect now, but it wasn't wasn't great. So I've been tinkering with that over the Christmas period. Got most of it done. There's a few little bits to finish off, but it's now you know reasonable, and you can you can go through the site and it doesn't look too bad. So that's uh, that's done pretty much. Yeah, good. Um, not much has changed. I mean, think because it's the Christmas break, you know, spending a lot of time with the family and, and not working at all. In fact, apart from a couple of hours. Mm. To, to do this design. Does that stuff. design live on the site now? Yeah, yeah. It's been, oh, I mean, it was live before Christmas, but right. it was just a bit clunky. Um, but since no one's going there anyway, well, I say nobody's going there. I'm getting about fifty visits a day. Fifty. Yeah, mainly from Russia. Oh. Huh. So some websites in Russia are the referrers. Right. And I'm trying to track down what it is. Whenever, whenever you go to the actual domains, they just redirect off to some sort of um, shopping site. Right. It's really confusing. I don't know. I wondered if you'd ever seen anything like that. The only time I've seen stuff like that is with some of our competitors in the voucher code sector where they're buying links. And right. they, yeah. they, uh, but you haven't bought links, have no, you? No, I haven't, but, but yeah. How, so how's that happening? I don't understand, really. Yeah, so they buy the links from these dodgy Russian sites, Chinese sites or Japanese sites, and yeah. they're only up there for a day or two, yeah. and then they get removed, or the page is sometimes completely removed, and it just either redirects somewhere else or... Right. So yes. Well, one of them, one of them that comes up a lot is. Are you I, sure you haven't been on Fiverr and uh, I paid five dollars for two thousand links from Russian websites? I don't know. Definitely not. No. Um, Someone might have got you that as your secret Santa. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. Wasn't you? Yeah, <laughs> well, looking at you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I love Vitality.co. Is is one of the sites, and it looks like whenever I've been there, it looks like it's kind of a. A search engine of its of its own, mm. um, and and then other other similar domains. I love Vitality. Dot something else. Um, 
I go to those and it just immediately redirects like a shopping site or something. So it's very odd. You might want to, and I've thought about doing this with Aptico's Pro, is turn on the iOS log, login, mm. and see if someone's spied on your site. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, I should do that. Or where they're coming from, maybe. Yeah, I'll have a look. But it's just, I mean, it's, it's not a problem. I don't think it is. The only worry about it was whether it is some sort of dodgy link to something which Google are going to penalise me for, but um, at the moment, you know, it's only it's like 50 yeah. instances, so it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I guess if, if the link's worse, because it's redirected and the link's been removed in theory, so yeah. I was going to say, if the link's worse still there, you might want to disavow them in a disavow file, but yeah, um, yeah I won't worry about it for the time being. No, I'll have a look. How about you? You managed to do anything this Christmas break? Uh, only really yesterday, because I knew we were doing a podcast today, so I thought I'd get my action <laughs> Now, actually, I tell a lie, I did it two or three days ago, and then again yesterday, um, I was going to check out the keywords around... So the idea was I'm going to build some websites for golf yeah. teaching professionals. Yeah. <clears throat> so I needed to really do some market research for those guys and make sure that people were searching for golf lessons in particular areas. Yeah. So otherwise building websites for those guys uh, would be such a great idea. And the first time I tried to do a bit of keyword research to find out there was volume around this, I was really disheartened because... <laughs> I, like I think searching in Google is a, is a skill within itself. It's it is, yeah. Like sometimes Sophie's searching for something, she's going, I can't find what I want. And mm. I say, give me the computer, and I find it straight away. So I just try a different keyword pattern, right? Yeah. And so I thought this would be easy. And so all I searched for was uh, Reading Golf Lesson and Berkshire Golf Lesson. Right. Because that's what I would search for if I was looking for you know, golf lessons in Reading. Yeah. And it came up with zero search results. Mm. And I was thinking, oh no, <laughs> because I kind of threw, I guess if, that left me with two choices, well three I guess, the first one being, you know, put some more effort into thinking of the wrong keywords, which yeah. I did, was what I ended up doing yesterday, but that was actually the option I came up with last. One would be, come on the podcast and say, there's no keywords, but I'm still going to do the idea anyway. <laughs> well, there's no, no volume to those keywords, but I'm still going to do the idea. The, um, the second one would have been, give up on the idea. Yeah, because um, although you know there potentially wasn't going to be any traffic going to the pros' websites, I was going to, my kind of excuse was going to be, well, they still need the website to manage their ongoing customers and clients and so on. Yeah, so that'd be one reason to still carry on and do it. But the third option was, um, I need to turn my screensaver off on my computer. The third option, which I thought of yesterday, was maybe I'm not looking for the right keywords, and so. And I, I don't know how I came around to thinking about this, but all I searched, searched for that was different was golf lessons in Reading. Right. So a bit more of a, a phrase, I guess, rather yeah. than just bang, bang, bang keyword. Yeah. And that came up with some results, some volume. Wow. Woohoo! So <laughs> it's only, uh, it, again, it depends how much you believe the, the volume data yeah. in the Google Keyword Planner. And it, so it only came up with 10 searches a month. And, it's 10, and so why I'm a bit hesitant about it is it was 10 searches a month for... Um, golf lessons in Reading, golf lessons in Berkshire, golf lessons in Gloucester. Right. Um, so <clears throat> at least there's some key, there's some volume there mm. around one specific keyword, and so even around longer tail local type searches, there'll be some volume too. So yeah. because there is some volume, I think you know it's an opportunity that I can still push forward and try. Yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. And it was interesting. It's funny how when you start working on one particular thing, and then you read something else which mm. kind of helps your thinking or you know, suggest a different way to go, but um, I can't remember how I came across this. Oh, it's to do with something we're going to talk about later, actually, personal retreats. And I came across uh, something Rob Walling did and asked me anything. 
oh, right. on bootstrappers.io. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the new community starting up around people like us that are doing bootstrapping software. And someone asked him about, because he wrote Start Small, Stay Small, the book which you mentioned a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. And part of the whole Micropreneur Academy thing that him and Mike Tabor did as well was around using Google keywords to try and identify a niche. That's right. And so someone asked him, and they asked me anything, you know, three, four years later since you've written all of that stuff, would you still take that approach? And his answer was, uh, no, probably not. Right. Well, he said he'd still do the keyword research to, to see if there was some kind of demand. Yeah. But he's in a bit of a different situation now. Yeah. He didn't, I don't think he said this specifically, but financially, I guess, where he more picks problems that interest him and mm. he finds interesting and, you know, challenging mm. rather than there being, you know, a specific niche. Because uh, when he started, he started doing beach towels and yeah. wedding sites and things like that. Stuff that perhaps didn't necessarily interest him, but he found a niche and some keywords that he could go and target. But now, yeah, so it's similar to me, I guess. I'm, you know, in an okay position where I can pick a something that interests me and mm. is a challenge and stuff. So that's why I kind of think if the keyword volume I hadn't found some keywords that worked, I would have perhaps just gone, yeah, I'm still going to do it anyway. Yeah, just see what happened. Um, but it's good that at least there is some keyword volume. It is a an area that interests me and is an yeah. interesting problem. So yeah, so yeah, sounds good. Um, did, did well, I'll include a link actually to, or we can include a link to the that Rob Willing asked me anything because there's some interesting other questions and answers he's put. Yeah, really I, did, I did know that was going on, but I didn't actually have a look at it. I just have a look through that. Cool, excellent. That sounds good. I mean, the keywords thing is a uh, <clears throat> it's difficult, isn't it? I, I always use the keywords research. To, to sort of investigate like new ideas and things like that and actually a lot of the time to dispel ideas to try and dispel the shiny object thing where if I get an idea I'll quickly go and do some keyword research yeah. hoping that it's not going to pan out so that I, I mean, mean we've, known each other, we've known each other for longer than four years and so yeah. you know we we both were reading the stuff that Rob was writing when the keyword research stuff did work I guess Yeah. but now you know four years later as we spoke about before with Google being such a black box and you're not knowing what they're going to do next you know yeah. we spoke about adwords you know the scammy nature of yeah, it's bids tough. and all that kind of stuff so whether you believe the volume numbers that they're even putting out because of the adwords being such a black box yeah and, uh, and the google suggesting as well is going to mean well i think it's going to mean there are, there are less keyword phrases mm. because people start to type something and it starts to appear in their search bar and so they just choose one thing that matches what they're yeah what they're searching for which means that phrase is going to be get more hits than it would have done previously, potentially, you know. So um, that also is going to impact it, obviously. But uh, yes, yeah, I think it's difficult with, with keyword research alone. But. Yeah. So, what's the main thing you want to talk about this week? Well, I listened to a podcast on the um, Smart Passive in- Income uh, podcast with Pat Flynn uh, with Hal Elrod. I think that's his name. I probably just butchered that, but yeah. Um, and he wrote a book called The Miracle Morning, mm-hmm. which is about morning routines, really. Um, and now he's a he's a guy that um, he was one of these Cutco sales, you know, the knife company. He, he's, he was one of their top sellers, all that sort of stuff, and he was doing really well. And he had an accident, a serious accident, car crash, um, where he basically was lucky to survive. But he, you know, and he was told he'd never walk again, all this sort of stuff. But he managed to overcome all those things. Um, and then he, he became a, um, a, a sort of life coach type, type, type guy. And uh, long story short, he came, he came up with a, a, a way that helped him to, to get 
better at personal development and, and make you know make his life better and all the rest of it, uh, better at work and everything, which was basically getting up early and doing a routine every morning. Um, and it, it interested me because I always find that if, if, I've, if I'm under pressure, say I've got a lot of freelance work on and I'm also working on a side project that I'm really keen to do something with, or even if I've just got too much freelance work and I you know two or three projects on the go at once and I just need to find more hours in the day, getting up early... You know, the hour or two before you know my daughter gets up in the morning, if I can work for for that hour or two, it seems to be so productive. You know, I, even if I am exhausted when I wake up, once I get in, into the zone and start working, it's, it feels feels amazing. Um, so I'm keen on the idea of doing a, a, having that sort of a morning routine, um, but I always find, struggle with the idea that this kind of a balancing act. You know, you've got. You want to get up early because you're productive and, and get the work done. Um, but to get up early means either losing some sleep or going to bed earlier. Now, mm. the other end of the day, going to bed earlier in the evening is is fine, but that's really the only time I've got my wife, Savannah, is the evenings and weekends. So you kind of think, well, I don't really want to be going to bed at nine o'clock and not have any time you know, in the evenings. Um so it's a balance, uh, and all the research suggests, you know, recent research suggests that you need seven or eight hours sleep minimum so that your brain can properly process what it's learned in that day. Whereas Hal Elrod, he's so kind of suggesting, I mean, I don't think he's suggesting you don't have any sleep, you know, you cut, cut it right back, but he's suggesting you can kind of convince your brain that you don't need as much sleep, and therefore you don't feel as bad. Um, mm, I don't I'm know sure if I believe on that. Bit. Yeah, I mean, and what do you think about this? Um, getting up early I know you said you're in your run streak yeah so my, I mean but... I've changed quite a lot from my 20s to my 30s Yeah. and so in my 20s I used to be a night owl and this comes back from school university um, even when I started working and started building you know what became BBC Metaman for a software product we started selling Yeah. I was always working in the night on that so I'd do the day job consulting job and then I don't know how I did it to be honest because I don't have the energy to work at night anymore. Yeah. I used to come home at six, you know, have dinner, and then just code from seven till midnight. Yeah. And then go to bed, wake up at seven the next day. And I don't know, it was just the, the energy of youth or whatever, but somehow I managed <laughs> to get through it. Um, it used to be a bit different because we used to live in a flat, and so my computer used to be in the same room as the TV yeah. and the lounge was. So Sophie would sit there watching TV and I'd just be sitting there coding. So we still have that time together, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was, I guess it slightly changed when we moved to the house where my office was then upstairs. So if I was to be working in the evenings, we'd be kind of sitting in separate rooms. So, yeah. although, you know, now we get our time together, because our, our time together as well is, is in the lounge watching TV. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it might, it's not particularly productive, but you need it to spend time with your family. You know, mm. you've got to um, enjoy those moments as well. It's part of the. Uh, yeah, but now into my 30s. And of course, with Isabel being born, I can I don't work in the evenings much at all. No. I do some you know non-thinking stuff like a bit of Twitter or delete a few emails, that kind of thing. Yeah. But because Isabel wakes up six o'clock every morning on the dot, she's got an internal body clock that just wakes up. <laughs> and because she wakes up sometimes during the night as well, that's quite disruptive to yeah. my sleep because I'm a light sleeper. And so twice maybe three times a week I'll be in bed at eight o'clock at night yeah just to try and catch up on the sleep of when she cries during the night and you have to go back in and pop a dummy in her mouth and yeah. that kind of stuff so um yeah I can't work in evenings anymore so I'm up at six every day and it's interesting because what time do you get up then 
Uh, well, generally, um, about seven. Right. Get up about seven to get lights out of bed and get ready for school and all the rest of it, take it to school. Um, so I, I, don't, I get up at seven, but there's no way I'd never work until 9.15 when I get back from the school run. Ah, I see. So, although I get up at six, because Sophie works for three days of the week, mm-hmm. the first hour and a half I'm kind of helping get Isabel ready and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's not until half seven that I can, you know, they're out the door and then I can make myself a cup of tea and start thinking about what I'm yeah. going to do. But recently, because the year and a half has been more of a morning thing, um, I have kind of settled into a routine of make the first cup of tea at half seven, mm. come down to the office. I make a point to try and write in my journal um, before starting work mm. to get that done every day. Um, for a little while, I was doing some yoga videos that were on YouTube, oh, which right. were quite good to try and help with flexibility and all that kind you of stuff. See, that, I want to get back to that as well. Yeah, that sounds quite a lot like um, the, the sort of Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning thing. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his suggested routine is, is less about... See, now I, I think of it, if I'm going to get up early in the morning, I want to make productive use of that time, i.e. work on, so I'm joined up data is now a side project because I'm, I've got a freelance gig until yeah. February. So I want to spend the time working on that in the morning. But then I also know that, you know, doing the things like meditation, exercise, all this sort of stuff will, will also help me to be more focused mm. or, or, you know, if you believe what people say and, and, and the papers and everything. Um, and that's how, what the Miracle Morning is all about, really. I mean, he's got six steps as, or six, six parts of the morning routine, which are silence, which is kind of silent meditation, um, affirmations, which is, is an interesting thing. I think it's there's Brits. Well, I don't know what you feel about affirmations, but I'm, you know, it kind of makes the stiff up a little, wobble a little bit, really, thinking about talking out loud, you know, uh, to yourself, really. It's just a bit weird. I, I, Never tried it, so I don't know, but maybe I'll give that a go one day. Visualisation of the day ahead is another one. Uh, exercise, reading for learning mainly, so reading stuff that, that is going to help you uh, develop. And then scribing, so journaling. So you already do, sounds like you know, a bit of exercise with journaling mm. most mornings, so maybe I need to start doing something like that. I think the thing as well, there's two things. First of all, experiment to find a routine that yeah. works for you. Because yeah. I've tried very, lots of different things, and you know we both read a lot blogs and so on and so forth and people write up their routines every now and again yeah. and everyone's is different so Scott Adams who's the creator of Dilbert mm. who I've read his book recently and listened to a couple of podcasts he's been doing um, he always gets up and does his cartooning first thing so he does his creativity thing yeah. and then he kind of feels when his creativity's run out he goes to the gym at 11 I think every day or right. day whereas for me if I try that I just get to 11 12 o'clock and I can't be bothered to go to the gym then although I th- you know, I've almost written down on my plan that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just sit here and browse the web or something instead. Yeah. Whereas I consider now the most important thing for me is the exercise. So literally that's the first thing I want to try and get done every day. Yeah. And when I've done that before, it's always been a lot better and that's how I've been able to, you know, really get exercise done. Um, so the same with journaling, I guess, if I don't get it done first thing, or perhaps now second thing after I've got the exercise done, I just won't get it done yeah. at all. So it's kind of like focus or make sure you get your most important thing done each day and although the coding is important what I think Hal and other people say is you know looking after your body and mind is the yeah. most important well, thing well that's exactly it yeah um, that's why it struck a chord in me which was well it was two reasons one was I like the idea of making more use of an early morning if I can somehow fit it in but I've never been able to work out a way of doing that um, and then the other thing that struck a chord was well would I reach I should be doing you know 
I want to be doing things like meditation or at least giving it a go, seeing if it works for me. But I, again, fitting it in. What mm-hmm. is so it's that precious kind of hour or two that I could gain in the morning. What do I use it for? You know. Um, so you talk about journaling. Yeah. What do you write in your journal? Just really what I worked on yesterday. Right. Um, feelings, thoughts. I guess I don't yeah. know. It's kind of soft, touchy feelings. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, and I don't really go over and read it. Reread it again. Right. It's interesting because we're going to talk about personal retreats next. I'm going to take what I wrote last year away with me and kind of read through it to co- come up yeah. with any themes. And I, there's a couple of times actually when you know I've had a tough decision to make or something like that, and I have gone through and read through my journal and go if I was going to if I was leaning one way towards a decision, I've known that it's the right way to go because of the thoughts and feelings I've written down previously. Yeah. Um, so it certainly helps me, definitely. It get it just gets stuff off my chest as well because yeah. I don't. I don't really talk to Sophie about work very much. Yeah. I don't know why, it's just, you know, once I get to the evening time, I just want to shut down and not really think about yeah, it. I think she, same, she comes in and she'll talk about her day and tell me everything about it. And she'll ask me and I'll go, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I guess the journal is a kind of a way of getting stuff off my chest and and so it doesn't kind of eat me up from inside. And I kind of feel once it's down on paper, then <clears throat> it's kind of forgotten about and can get on with things. And It's a good point, actually, yeah. I mean, I... I like doing that with ideas. I'll you know stick it in Evernote or write it down somewhere, whatever. Just mm. get it out of my brain, and it stops me being distracted by it. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'll probably try that. I've got a terrible memory as well, and so <laughs> <laughs> like I can remember really useless facts from years ago. But if you ask me what I did last week, I probably can't remember. And so the journals are kind of like if I did ever get to the point of wanting to write my autobiography or memoir or something like that, I can read through all my journal and uh, it's all written down for me, yeah. or someone else can pick it up and write it for me. I'll outsource it. <laughs> is it pen and paper yes Yeah. I've, I've done similar to you I wrote in Evernote before and stuff but it's sort of about having a nice pen so I do invest mm. in a nice pen Yeah. I use the moleskin uh, journals oh, yeah. only writing those I have a nice, couple of nice fountain pens that I write with um, yeah Yeah. I think I'll, uh, I'll I think I'll give that a go at least um, I'm going to try so it's January so I'm going to try something new so I'm going to try getting up early and see how that goes mm. but I don't think you necessarily have to get up early though I think as long as you have a, a routine that you stick to. It doesn't matter yeah. whether you start at five in the morning or whether you start at nine in the morning. The, the difficulty is, though, with the freelance project on the go, um, although I do, you know, I, I manage my own time so I can work when I want, really, but there are always going to be somebody wants a conference call at a certain time, mm. somebody wants, you know, and as soon as you get one or two of those in a week, um, it can break your routine. Um, so you're going to get up at six rather than seven? Then? I think so, yeah. Let's see how it goes. Well, I get to six, I ring up at six every morning. <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your accountability buddy. Oh, or the annoying yeah. person that rings you up at six every morning. So. Yeah. You can send me a text if you want. And, uh, okay. See if you get a reply. <laughs> That's my action to text you every morning for the next week. Oh, then. shit. Even yeah, Saturdays okay. and Sundays. No, not Saturdays and Sundays. But that's the thing, though, if you're going to get into the routine, though, you'll be waking up at six anyway. That's the thing, around. yeah. Saturdays and Sundays is a tricky one. Um, there's also, you know, um, if you go out for a night night out and have a couple of drinks, there's no way I'm going to get up at six o'clock after that. But then sometimes that will stop you drinking so much the night yeah. before, maybe. True. If you know you've got to get up at six. True, true. Well, I'll see how it goes. I'll start on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the thing I was going to talk about is personal retreats. Yeah. And this, I don't know, again, Rob Walling, people we follow on podcasts and so on and so forth, they've spoken about them a number of times of about just going away by themselves for a couple of days, just time for personal reflection. Yeah. And I guess indirectly I've done these before where I've been to conferences 
or SharePoint or Business of Software conferences. Yeah. And with my schedule, I always would either get there a couple of days before or typically I'd stay a couple of days after yeah. once the conference had finished. And so I kind of guess I did these personal retreats without really thinking about it. Mm. Um, because the conferences, especially the SharePoint ones, I was kind of working on the booth quite often, selling your wares and what have you. And it's bloody hard work standing on the booth for three days. Yeah. Really, the, the two days that I'd stay behind was almost a bloody recuperation time <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to sleep and catch up on stuff. Um, but they were also a great time for reflection. So I'd go out and explore the city and go to bookshops and so on and a coffee shop and what have you. And just think about, you know, what we've been up to, what we've been working on over the past 70 months and plans for the next few months. Yeah. But since leaving the SharePoint world and Lightning Tools, I haven't been to a conference, I don't think. And so I've not had those two days by myself to think about stuff. And so I knew <laughs> I knew what Sophie's reaction... I was kind of thinking, shall I tell Sophie that I'm going to disappear for two days or shall I just tell her I'm going somewhere for work, <laughs> make up a conference and just That's go? That's a slippery slope. I know. And I thought, I'll just tell her, but I know what her reaction is going to be. Yeah. And so I told her last night and her reaction, which I expected, was, well, when's my... When can I have a two-day holiday? Yeah. And I said to her, well, she works Monday to Wednesday at the moment. I said, well, next Thursday, Friday, go for it, go. Yeah. Just disappear, come back. And I, you know, I totally recommend it for her because, you know, she has a lot on with work and stuff and she doesn't have much time to, when she's not working, she's got Isabel, so she doesn't have time to think herself. So yeah. I totally recommend it for her. And so with the personal retreat, what I'm planning on doing, I wish I kind of did it before the start of 2015. So that you could, I could kind of kickstart 2015 with plans and actions and stuff yeah. ready, um, but it's only early in the year, obviously, of course, only the second of January. So um, next Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to disappear off. I don't cool. know where, and the plan is I'm going to take my journals that I've written in 2014, yeah. have a read of them, have a think, go for a walk by the sea. <laughs> Very nice. Sounds good. And uh, yeah, let you know what it's like yeah. when we come back. So we we'll have to record the podcast next Friday again. That's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that that'd be good, and you can uh, update us on your. That's if I come back, I might stay there. <laughs> Do a Reggie Perry. Yeah. <laughs> Disappear. Um, yeah, so I got. A, I can't remember what notes I wrote down. I'm just gonna, yeah, like I say, find out any recurring themes from the journals that I wrote last year. There's some questions that a couple of people have put down. You know, thinking about what you loved, what you hated last year. Yeah. Um, there's always lots of opportunities around, so just contemplating opportunities and deciding what to do, and most importantly, deciding what not to do, yeah. to try and put those to one side for the next year, to focus on things. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes, I guess. Oh, cool. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. Cool. Um, so, year-end reviews you wrote down? Yeah, I, it just uh, I, a lot of people have been publishing their year-end reviews. Well, actually, I haven't done one, um, but I probably would like to do one next year, maybe, but... Charlie Irish, um, I think Startup Clarity is a website that he runs, and he's put together a list of loads of different bootstrappers' um, year in review. So I went through a few of those, and they're really good actually to, to pick up on other people's trials and tribulations throughout the year and, and kind of see how it mirrors your own experience a little bit. You know, some of them are very different, some of them aren't, but everyone has problems throughout the year, and, and it just reminds you that although you hear the good news a lot of the time from people that are bootstrapping and when they have success, you don't generally hear the, the, the bad sides of it. So these year-end reviews, when people get really personal about it, it's really good. So I just I'll put the link to Charlie Irish's the web page you put together in the show notes. Um, 
But yeah, it's definitely worth having a look at some of them. And Brennan Dunn, for example, had such a nightmare last year with um, stuff going on, all sorts of you know, litigation against him from a previous employee and all this sort of stuff. And he still managed to pull out a, a blinding year, you know. So yeah. that sort of thing is so inspirational, I think. So it's just I just wanted to mention it and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, no, there's a few I haven't read. Um, certainly enjoyed reading them, so yeah, yeah. certainly recommend people have a look over. The other thing that I've, I've picked <laughs> up on yesterday, actually, just I've, I've not really looked at Twitter or anything for, for the Christmas period, but yesterday I had a quick look through and Gumroad are running a 30-day challenge on building an audience. Right. So we've talked in the past about how, you know, um, it's people that have an audience... Um, I, want to, I won't use the word easier, but I, I shouldn't really use the word easier, but they've got a bit of a head start, so to speak, if you've got an audience or you know a blog with lots of followers or an email list somehow that you can um, send out the link to your new fancy product, then that obviously gives you a bit of a kickstart. And um, the problem I have is don't have an audience at the moment, and um, I think Gumroad have picked up on the fact that that's a lot of people are in that situation and they're running a Thursday challenge on building an audience. Now, it's obviously day two, being the 2nd of January. Right. Um, and so far, the, the, I think the two days have been about, you know, picking what it is you want to do and then keyword research to find out a niche and that sort of stuff. So a lot of it's familiar at the moment. But I've signed up to it and I'll, I'm going to follow along with it. And, um, you know, one thing I've thought about doing is writing some mini ebook or something to give away, you know, for an email address. So I might even try I, I, I don't want to get too distracted by it. Right. But if I can I'm gonna follow it along and if I pick up on something which I think I can turn to my advantage then I'll, I'll probably switch to using that. So it's for, for joined up data. For, yeah, right sorry, yeah, for joined up data, yeah. Because you know, like I say at the moment there's no traffic, I've got no email list. Um so, you know, doing something like that is yeah. probably a good um, a good tactic and, and having it as part of a challenge that I can get involved with is kind of a bit more accountability and stuff. Yeah. So like I said, I'm not I've just dipped my toe into it at the moment and I'll see how it goes. But um, if it's uh, if I find something in there that I think I could use I'll I'll just run with it I think. Sounds good. So actions for next week. Okay, so well I mean my, um, I've been thinking a lot mainly on the joint up data thing. Um, I'm obviously working full time on the freelance as of Monday, the 5th of Jan. So um, it'll be mornings maybe or evenings, whichever one suits. But by, uh, my plan is to start contacting. So, so I know that there are a couple of verticals, if you like, you know, the financial sector. I've had a customer from the events sector. Um, and I know they use. Excel spreadsheets a lot and they have to merge them so I'm going to contact some of these people uh, and then just try and talk to people and find out what, what it is their problems are and maybe this isn't the right problem maybe it is or it's something they do occasionally you know just find out more about it really mm. just try and do that anyway so I've got Robert Graham's cold calling book I bought that probably 18 months ago so I'm going to reread that and then try and do some calls this week I'm also going to publish an article on LinkedIn so probably a cut-down version of, of a, a big article that I've written recently and then um, see how that goes. And also, if I get time, I mean, that's, that's quite a lot already, but if I get time, I'll draw up a proper plan of, of you know what I'm going to do when so that I can, rather than just sit down on a laptop and go, right, what am I going to do tonight? You know, I'll have an actual mm-hmm. plan of what it is I'm going to be doing each night or each morning, whichever it is I end up doing. Um, yeah, so that's it, basically, for yeah. next week. 
So for me, I've got the personal retreat thing, which yep. I'm going to do next Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I need to do budget and plans for 2015 for Batch Kids. Yeah. yeah, so we go through what I've done previously and uh, planned out the whole of the year in terms of salaries, costs, all those kind of things. That really helps in terms of you know figuring out how the business is actually doing rather than just looking at a number in the bank account, kind of whether you're making a profit each month or a loss. And so we do that again for various businesses. I've actually been going backwards and forwards in my mind as to whether to, you know, we spoke about releasing revenue numbers and so on for yeah. joined up data and GovSite engine. Um, as part of the year end reviews, actually, there's a few people that put all their numbers down, yeah. don't they? So I've been toying with the idea of doing that for Voucher Codes Pro, yeah. of being a totally open, like buffer app to do on revenue and profits and numbers and so on. Because the affiliate marketing, especially around voucher code industry, is so kind of it's not it's kind of a closed box, yeah, and full of spammers and you know people making a quick buck and stuff. Yeah, and so we're trying to do it as an honest business, and I'm, so I'm kind of thinking, you know, if we're open about it, yeah, it, yeah, it's a difficult one. <laughs> it is a difficult one because it's full of spammers and, and scammers and so on. Yeah. It's, you, you don't know whether somebody's going to manipulate that somehow. Oh yeah, the, the thing I've been thinking is, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Yeah, the positives I can get, I can see being open is that it will generate conversations and debates around what we're doing, yeah. and hopefully links. <laughs> so there is an SEO play from doing it, um, and so the negative side is well, it may attract some competitors to our area, but there's so many competitors anyway. It's going to be foothold as well, already, yeah. So and so I can't really see any negative thing of doing. What about it? the retailers? Could the retailers get upset about potentially? Um, there's each retailer that you work with has terms and conditions right. so we'll need to check those terms and conditions as to. but then we're not we're not giving out numbers around specific retailers anyway no. it'll just be an overall you know yeah. revenue costs and so on and I'm not I wouldn't necessarily break down the costs into individual salaries and so on it would be you know this is a, the monthly cost yeah. this is the monthly income revenue yeah I think have a think about it yeah, it sounds talk about it with some other people in the business and stuff and, and see what they think yeah um, but anyway, sorry, we need to do the budget and plans for 2015. And then I have a Golf Pro uh, who's doing their PGA course at the moment who I've talked to about building their site as part of the portfolio site. Yeah. Like I mentioned it before, so we need to start working with him to get his site built out, which means getting up to speed on WordPress a lot more. So I've uh, been using Treehouse, oh, yeah. uh, which is the online video learning platform thing. And they've got lots of stuff on WordPress. I'm probably about, I don't know, one tenth of the way through. And so I need to kind of catch up on all that and then get to a point where I can start building out his site. Yeah. Or either get someone, I might outsource it, <laughs> get someone else uh, building a theme or a template for me or something. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to have that site. The site won't be ready by the time we get uh, we catch up next week. But I want to certainly make some progress. Yeah, get a plan together. Yeah. Those are my actions, I think. Sounds good. The only other thing I was going to mention to you, we had this at the start, is around the titles of the podcast. Yeah. Just for full accountability, I guess, and discussing how we're getting on with the podcast. Um, I think the titles, we need to have a bit more descriptive titles. Yeah. And so I guess we were just coming up with playful titles, right? Yeah. Like Kicks yeah. and Pops, and I can't remember what the second title was. But it came up yesterday because I was looking for the that how podcasting. And so I came across Master of Internet. Business Internet Mastery podcast. Oh, videos, right, okay, yeah. And they've got 252 shows now, and so I was looking through the whole listing of all their shows, 
and it was quite good because their titles were descriptive. Yeah. So there was a couple that I wanted to catch up on and listen to from their back catalogue. Right. And so I think we need descriptive titles so that when we, if we do have a back catalogue of hundred shows, people can pick out the ones they perhaps want to listen to. Yeah. Because the true. titles are all kind of give an indication to what they're okay, about. Yeah. Yeah. And then also from an SEO perspective, having a, you know a title with the keywords in about what we're talking about. Yeah. That helps with a bit of long tail search at a later stage. Funny, never thought of it in that way. But yeah. Well, I didn't until yesterday of going through someone's back catalogue of podcasts so yeah. um, so I think that will help a bit at some point we'll get transcripts done as well maybe and okay. add comments onto the site uh, yeah but that's it cool so hope you have a good week yeah hope you have a good week and uh, yeah. see you next Catch week up next after Friday. your retreat yeah <laughs> cheers, <laughs> cheers. Bye. bye